Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, it, it is so fun to be here with you today. My, uh, my name is Michael Carlson. I'm the lead pastor here at Park Church, and I want to begin by telling you that I have a cough, and that cough has in some way bruised my rib, and my wife is currently at home with a fever, and my son. Uh, and I tell you this not to be a negative Nancy, but to say, despite all of this, I, I am so filled with joy right now, and I am so excited to be here with you. If, if you're a guest uh, to, to Park Church here, just to church in general, uh, as Matt mentioned earlier, if you were drug here, like whatever your story, I am so glad that you're here. Uh, this is a, this is a, a joyful and a, a special time of year for many people, uh, not least of all stressful as well, uh, but, but joyful and special, especially so for followers of Jesus. And so for anyone who would, who would come and join us as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I just want to say you are so welcome, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, I, I'm not sure what, what traditions you grew up with during this time of year. Uh, I, I grew up in a family that, that you might say celebrated Christmas a bit traditionally. Uh, and as a kid, it was very, very clear to me what the true meaning of Christmas was. This is probably the case for any kid. What, what would you guess if someone had asked me, okay, what's Christmas about? How would I have responded? Presents. Presents. Like, let's get real here. Presents for a kid is what Christmas is all about. Now, as I grew, what I discovered is that there are two different philosophies when it comes to presents. Okay, there, there's one philosophical approach that, that I like to call the frenzied approach to opening presents. This is, a, this is an approach, this is a philosophy that's basically a free-for-all. All right, you will likely see wrapping paper flying in the air. Uh, there's, there's no, okay, wait, because it's so-and-so's turn. No, you see a present and you go for it, right? This is, this is the frenzied philosophy of opening presents, right? But then I learned that, that there is an equal and opposite philosophy as well, a different one. We'll call this the philosophy of order. In the, in the philosophy of order, when it comes to opening presents, there's a time and a place for each person to open a present. It's very systematic. You take turns and you create space so that everyone can see what gift is opened. And each gift opener has the adequate amount of time and space to show appropriate gratitude to the extent that a three-year-old can do that. Uh, but uh, let, let me just by show of hands, who here comes from a frenzied philosophical perspective? Right? Okay. Okay, the minority. Uh, what, about, what about the philosophy of order, right? How many organized? Okay, that's, that's the majority. Here's the beautiful thing about it, though. Here's the beautiful thing. If you're a kid, it doesn't matter. Because you still get the presence. Because that's what it's about, if you're a kid. Those gifts. And it's at this point in a sermon 
You might expect a preacher to say, yeah, but then I grew up and I realized Christmas is about more than just presents. It's about giving, not just receiving. It's about serving, not just being served. But I'm not saying that today. And here's why. I think kids have it right. Here's what I mean. At the center of the meaning of Christmas is a story about a gift. At the center of the meaning of Christmas is a story about a gift. If you want to understand the meaning of Christmas, if, if you want to understand the, the Christian faith, heck, if, if you want to understand life, there is a story that you have to know. And at the center of this story is a gift. And I can think of, of no words more, more apt that succinctly tell this story than one little verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. This is the story. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. This is the story that makes sense of Christmas. And as you can see, at the very center of it is a gift. But, but before we get to talk about this gift, we first have to recognize that there is a giver in this story. In fact, this is how the story begins. The story begins, for God so loved the world. Now, this story begins with this idea of a God who loves the world that he made. This is, this is the starting point. If you want to understand the meaning of Christmas, this is where you begin. With an image of a God so overcome with love for his world. And the sad reality is that, is that for many of us, when the word God comes to mind, something drastically different pops into our heads. For some of us, I imagine, God might be something more akin to a distant landlord or, or someone who is perpetually angry. And while it is true that there are things that happen in this world that make God angry, anything having to do with evil, for example, this is not the story. This story is one of a God who loves the world that he made. When, when I was in college, I worked for two summers in a concrete yard and gravel pit, right? It was a very glamorous job. Uh, I, I worked about two summers too long in this job. And I had two primary tasks. And the first was I, I worked in, in the midst of a bunch of uh, metal forms. And, and concrete trucks would come and I would direct them and they would fill these forms with concrete. And eventually once they set, they would fall off and I would move them and we would, we would sell them. My second task involved standing on a large platform 
and big dump trucks would come and I would direct them onto this platform. And then I would direct them to raise their trailer and all of the dirt and the earth and the rock would pour down and go through a grate onto a conveyor belt and it would then be taken into the gravel pit where the rocks would be sorted according to size. But occasionally, by occasionally I mean every time a truck came, there would be one or two massive boulders that would come and fall on the grate and it would be too big for the plant. And my job literally would be once the truck left to walk out onto the grate and to not slip and to pick up the rock and to walk over and to throw it off the edge of the platform. Now, this was a very laborious job, but I actually didn't mind the work. The job as a whole, however, I loathed. And the reason why is because of my boss. His name was Moose. And uh, he was a large, older gentleman, and he was perpetually angry. And it got to the point where every single day I would drive in to my parking lot, right, park in my spot, and, and, and I would dread opening the door because my boss was perpetually angry at me. It seemed as if he saw his job as simply hovering around me, waiting for me to do something that he could yell at, that he, that he could criticize. Right? And so I had this cloud over me, and because of it, I, I hated my job. Friends, if, if this story is true, this is not at all what God is like. Some of us view God like a boss who's perpetually angry, and yet this is not the story. The story is so different. The story begins with, for God so loved the world. He is a giver. Would you please hear that this morning, that this is how the story begins. If you want to understand the meaning of Christmas, we must start with a God who loves the world that he made. And in fact, he loved this world so much that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So we now come to the part of this story where we learn about this gift. We learn about this gift that God has given. This gift of a small child whom we see plastered all over the place this time of year. We see them on fireplace mantles, right? We have a nativity scene on our fireplace mantle. We see this gift on, on Christmas cards in the grocery store. We see this gift on lawns in front of houses. And yet, what in the world does it mean for a child to be a gift? Now, most of the time, uh, my children are gifts to me. I understand that. And, and I also understand how, generally speaking, other children in this world are gifts. But what in the world does it mean for a, a small baby who was born 2,000 years ago to be God's gift to humanity? I want to suggest two things 
this afternoon. Two ways that Jesus is a gift. The first is that he showed us the way. When we look at Jesus, when we consider his life, what we see is that for a world who has in many ways lost its way, Jesus came and he showed us the way. Jesus lived the most beautiful, compelling life of anyone who has ever lived in the history of the world. He, he formed a community of people around himself, and then he invited everyone to join. He, he taught an almost impossibly high moral standard, claiming things like, God doesn't just care about, about what you do. He cares deeply about the driving motives in your heart deciding what you do, right? He taught this incredibly high moral standard, and yet at the same time, the people whom society deemed most immoral in his day flocked to him because he was so full of grace and compassion. How do you make sense of that? He refused to be co-opted by anyone's political agenda, and there were people who definitely tried. He protected the vulnerable. He washed the feet of his disciples when no one else would. He spoke truth to power and was utterly intolerant of corrupt and abusive religion. He perfectly practiced what he preached, including some of his hard teachings. For example, he once said, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then shortly thereafter, while being persecuted by his enemies, Jesus cried out to God in prayer and said, please, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you see the beauty of his life, he made outrageous claims about himself, claims that no one else has ever made, at least, at least no one that you've ever heard of, often implying that the unmediated power and authority of God himself was somehow uniquely present within him. Who says that? And then he did things that seemed to, to corroborate, that seemed to validate his claims. He commanded the forces of nature he cast out demons. He healed the sick. He restored sight to the blind, figuratively and literally. It seemed that everywhere he went, freedom and peace and wholeness and healing and joy followed. And all of the sad and broken things around him became undone. No one, no one has lived a life like Jesus. Do you see that he came to show us the way, the way of life that God designed this world for, that God deeply wants for each and every single one of us. But see, Jesus is God's gift, not simply because he showed us the way, that's part of it, but he's also God's gift because he made a way. 
He made a way for us to have peace with God. Despite the utter uniqueness and beauty of Jesus' life, there were some who were too threatened by him, and so they, they had him executed. They killed him. And even though Jesus was dead and his followers were devastated, God wasn't done. What many simply thought was an unfortunate end to an otherwise promising religious career, God intended and used. The death of Jesus was God's surprising victory over the forces of sin, death, and evil. All of the things in this world that keep us from God and the life that he wants for us. Jesus took upon himself. He took all of the consequences of sin upon himself. He took the full weight and force of evil upon himself. Death itself he took upon himself and thus exhausted it all of its power. And a few days after his death, shockingly, God raised Jesus from the dead. He raised him from the dead, and Jesus then ascended to the right hand of the Father, where to this day he is reigning as Lord and Savior of the world, inviting everyone to find life in him. Here's what this means for you. Here's what this means for the story that makes sense of Christmas. If you want to understand the meaning of Christmas, you have to take a good, hard look at the gift. You have to look at Jesus. You have to investigate who was this man who made such outrageous claims. What sense do I make of his life, of his death, of his resurrection? And could it be that the self-giving love of God was poured out in and through him in a way that God wants to use to change my life? here and now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So we've established the giver in this story. We've talked a bit about the gift. But what about the recipient? In any gift-giving exchange, there's a giver there's a gift, and there is a recipient. Who is this gift for? Well, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. See, this gift is for anyone and everyone who would believe in Jesus. That's it. Now, to believe, unfortunately, is an idea that, that is muddled in a lot of minds today. To, to believe in Jesus does not mean we, we check our brain at the door. It doesn't mean we turn off our mind and stop thinking. Quite the opposite, actually. To, to believe in Jesus also isn't simply a mental exercise, as if we, we just check some boxes of, yes, I believe this and this and this. No, to, to believe in Jesus is to receive a gift. It's, it's to believe that this story, this story is the one true story of the world and to let your life begin to be reoriented around it. It means accepting 
the reality that God loves you. He loves you more than you know. And it means committing the rest of your life to learning how to follow in the way of Jesus and trusting that he is the one who not only shows us the way, but made a way. Made a way for true and lasting peace with God and the life that he invites every single one of us to live. Many of you here this afternoon have received this gift. We have, you have received this gift. And my hope for tonight and for tomorrow morning as you are enjoying your Christmas celebration and as you watch with joy maybe little ones opening presents or you yourself enjoy opening presents that you would be reminded that the meaning of Christmas is found in, in a story about a gift. And if you're here, if you're here today and you have never received this gift for whatever reason, maybe you have intellectual barriers or questions. Maybe you've just never seriously looked at Jesus and asked yourself the question, what might this mean for me? My hope and my prayer is that you would receive this gift even today that you would believe that this is the one true story and that you would begin what would be a lifelong and even eternal journey of following Jesus as the one who shows us the way and as the one who made a way for peace with God. This is my prayer. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever, whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. Pray with me. Father, uh, we come before you and we thank you that you, you are such a loving giver. You've given us all the gift of life and you have offered us all the gift of your son. Father, as we, as we enjoy the Christmas celebration to come, both for, during the rest of this service and also tonight and tomorrow, I ask that you would remind each and every one of us that, that the meaning of this celebration is told through a story at the center of which is a gift. May you draw our hearts and our minds to the gift of your Son. Uh, we, we love you too, Father, and we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we pray by the power of your Spirit. Amen.